of the ingredients that we've uh, incorporated into uh, Borderlands over the the few months or a couple of years that we've d been doing it is um, kind of reflections or the odd little story. Um, not unlike uh, sometimes you'd go to if you go to Ten by Nine, which is a brilliant event that happened in Belfast. And my wife every now and then tells a story at Ten by Nine. And uh, so when we started doing Borderlands, I said, "said Jen, you've got to tell a story for uh, for Borderlands." So she occasionally would turn up on nights like tonight and tell a brilliant story. And tonight is one of those nights. You're very lucky people. So I said, Jen, sacred space is a theme. Would you like to write a story about that? So this is what we have. So give my wife, Jen Clark, wonderful Jen Clark, a big round of applause. Hello. This is a story about sacred space. Put that over that way. One of the best friends that I've ever had came to me one spring in a maxi dress that she tripped over, chasing her toilet training son. We were running an event, and he'd bolted from the bouncy castle to the garden, looking for a pee. I had my own baby son in a sling, so I couldn't move very fast, but I watched her stumbling across, laughing. She shouted her son's name over and over, and we knew that the pantless streak of lightning zooming across the garden had little or no chance of returning it. She knew it, and I knew it. I'd just moved from Belfast, and I didn't have many friends in my new neighborhood. And still bereft at leaving my life, I had no real desire to make new ones. But she made me laugh. Her whole family did. I loved her mother turning up to a kid's event, asking for matching butterfly face paints for their grandchildren. Granny had been happily and cluelessly looking after the baby whilst the toilet-chasing toddler unfolded. And to be honest, Granny's still a little bit like that. <laughs> She's happy and at times a bit clueless, but she always gives her attention to the things that matter. And that's mostly what's in front of her. So I invited Maxi Dress Mum for a coffee the following week, as Christians do. I had a baby, she had a baby. I mean, how complicated would it be, right? Until when she was in my front room, I overzealously plunged the coffee right over her lap which she later joked I was trying to kill her. I mean, I was a little bit. She is an atheist. Um, but I tidied and served it up, only for her to look at me and exclaim, <laughs> I don't drink coffee. Okay, it's drugs, you know? It's drugs. And then I knew that I liked her. My youngest son was plagued with ear infections as an infant. And he had had that one, one that day, the day of the coffee incident, and he was so unsettled. 
I'd been used to other Christian mums offering their sympathies and consolations to his unending crying. But this one, she looked at me curious and said, what's wrong with him? (laughs) And I'd never had another mother address me in such a forthright way, but also profoundly non-judgmental. She had just blurted out what was also in my mind. And I felt a place to say, I don't know, I think maybe it's his ears. And a respite of welcome that was, for me, that it was okay for him to cry and for me to be still trying to figure out why. I helped with a parent and toddler that year and she came along and the chats between us, between caring for toddlers, she reintroduced me to the part of me that got excited about new ideas and saying, oh, 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 on the spot when I was telling a story and the part that was always curious and not judgmental, the part that wanted to learn things, Alst while skiving her wee one off nursery in favor of building Lego forts and playing dress up, but never ever drinking coffee. It's drugs, right guys, it's drugs. Her answer to any of my ideas was always, yeah, let's do that. And when the kids were old enough to be in nursery school, we decided we'd take a spin in the morns, go hill walking. I mean, why not? We'd do a quick lap up and down the mountain. Surely, we'd be back in time to collect them. So we left just after drop-off. I had no clue where I was going, as I just moved there. But as we walked, we talked of music, art, politics, culture religion, her always asking questions about my life and how I'd come to be here. Why? Why are you here? What are you doing? On that first walk, I felt like we were two converging rapids, sometimes slow and windy, other times tumbling over each other's words in an effort to keep pace with our paced down the mountain. She kept up with me in all ways. Her brain and mouth moved as fast as mine did, often sometimes faster. It was there in those sometimes hasty, energized conversations that sacred space for me was created when she became my soul friend. I won't end that bit by telling you our first trek up the mountain was also our most dangerous. By the second hour, we were wandering in the fog, lost. We trudged up the nearest peak, and I said, oh, look, there's the lock. We need to walk that way. She waited a few seconds. Nope, that's no lock. That's the sea. (laughs) And in slow-mo, we turned to each other, wide-eyed. Right, she said, I'm calling 999. I'm hungry. No, I said. I snatched her phone. We can't call 999. That's a valuable public resource. We can't squander it because of our stupidity. Of course, she ignored me, and she dialed it anyway, but thankfully, there was no signal. (laughs) And we laughed together, 
Again, it was a sacred space. So the morning ended with us finding the far road. <laughs> She'd only mentioned that us needing to find 5,000 times on the walk, the far roads, just in case you're ever lost in the mornings, just look for the far road. <laughs> and some poor lone cyclist that we leapt upon, simultaneously shouting, where are we? And do you have food? I'll leave it up to you, to said, you know, who said what. And we became friends. And we became best friends. Then our children became friends and our husbands. And we've holidayed together in the most rugged cottages, playing hours of cards round the fire. We've been there for weddings, funerals, illnesses, and celebrations. Collaborated on projects and committees and all sorts of things. We've fought and we've stropped and we've been the ones taking it in turn to carry each other. We were compatriots during lockdown, sneaking for walks up the mountain, watching the kids fire down in their, old, in their own world of lightsabers and gathered round outdoor fire pits, sledging and hot chocolates in the simple way that we loved life, music, art, and us made me feel at home. And as a, a disenfranchised kid from a fractured home, that to me was a holy thing, incorruptible and pure. We're not perfect and neither are they, but in the space of us together, we made it a little bit easier to live life, I guess. And isn't that why we've always sought to make temples? To help us understand the world. To make and mark places of sacred dwelling where holy things meet and in turn give birth to new things. Playing cards, hot chocolates by the fire, scrambled eggs, trampolines, a space to be you. But what place is the spirit more present than an unequivocal welcome? No judgment in what you carry, just a welcome curiosity in how you carry it. And a friend by your side up the mountain, looking at each other and asking if you know where you are. And she definitely stole that cyclist chocolate bar on that day. <laughs>